Please help me welcome J. Lauren Norris. I was standing at the counter at the Starbucks, and this customer walks in. Now, we've all made our orders. It's been a minute. We're still waiting. It's a very busy Starbucks day. The lady walks in, steps to the front, places her order, steps back. She's on the phone. She's been on the phone since she came in the door. A drink is put up on the counter, and without regard for all the people standing here, she reaches and grabs the drink. And what happened next was a demonstration in so many failed leadership principles that's going to take me a minute to tell you about it, but that's exactly what I want to talk about today on Leading Leaders. Subscribe now for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, and freedom. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast. And as soon as the drink was placed on the counter, I mean, just barely the barista had left their hands off of the cup. Still on her phone with one hand, she snatches a cup with the other hand, takes a drink out of it, and then spits it all over the counter and the barista and yells to the phone and everybody and probably the whole state, that's not my drink! Ironically, the barista was unmoved, reached up and grabbed the cup, turned it around and said, okay, Jim, I'll remake your drink. Remind me again what it was. Much to the chagrin of the lady who decided that she was going to just steal whatever drink was put up there next and assume that it was hers. She was convinced that she was next and all these people standing around the counter waiting on a drink couldn't have been waiting past her, right? I mean, they should have been out of the way already or her drink should be ahead of theirs or something. See, I, I tell that story because it reminds us that our attitude is something we carry around with us. Sometimes the attitude comes in the door with you. John Maxwell tells a story about a lady and her daughter who go shopping all day. And near the end of the day, they go into a store and they do their shopping. And on the way out, mom turns to her daughter and she's like, can you believe the attitude that woman gave me in that store? And her daughter turns back and says, she didn't give you that attitude, mom. You had that attitude when we went in the door. The idea that stories lead is undeniable. It is undeniable that stories lead in sales. They lead in attitude. They lead in management. Stories lead people to believe things. They lead people to agree with things or disagree with things. They lead to arguments sometimes. They lead to buy-in when you're sharing your vision or your mission statement. Stories lead. They lead people emotionally. They lead people mentally and psychologically. They lead people on multiple levels. Mind, will, and emotions, body, soul, and spirit, however you want to break it down, stories lead. And good leaders need to master their ability to tell stories. Good leaders need to be able to discern the stories that are going to be offensive the ones that are going to separate an audience, divide an audience, or unify an audience. And yes, there is a time and a place to do all of the above. Let me just give you an example. You might want to divide an audience when you've got a large group of people who believe that they're interested in the product or service that you offer. But you know based on your own experience that not everybody, A, can afford the price of the service that you offer, or B, will benefit from it. 
there are a lot of people who are thoroughly convinced if I could just get into a gym and get a personal trainer for one day, my whole life would be different. And then they get to the gym and the personal trainer says, well, the first thing you're going to have to do is drop the ho-hos and the cupcakes and actually do some physical work. Or they get in the gym, the physical trainer says, well, you've been doing that wrong for 25 years. You're going to have to stop doing it that way. And suddenly, this one day with a personal trainer is a train wreck. It's not a new course. It's not a new leaf. It's not a revelation that changes their life. It's a challenge of everything they've believed up to this point. Well, if the story that you tell leads people to believe that you believe that the product or service that you offer will serve every human on earth, then the story that you tell is in itself deceived and therefore deceptive. If I told you I can help everyone on earth with the problem that I solve, we would both know that I'm wrong because there are people who simply will not, cannot learn from me. They don't want to receive from me. What I have to offer, the way that I have to offer it, doesn't appeal to them. The price point that I offer my services at doesn't fit within their budget or in their opinion is way too cheap. Whatever those truths may be, the truth remains, I can't serve everybody. I just can't. So I have to intentionally tell stories that help to delineate who is my audience and who isn't. Who is it that I serve best and who do I not serve well? Who are the clients that I don't work well with? Well, if I can craft a story that answers that question before you ask it, then in the telling of that story, I lead you to believe that you are or are not my client. Managers need to master their story power in order to help transfer teaching moments. There, there are tons and tons of experiences and opportunities for managers to bring new ideas to their team. New standard operating procedures, new expectations, new sales goals. And all of these things are challenges for managers to confer, especially if you just give somebody a, a new standard operating procedure as a, as a manual and you say, I want you to take this concept, this product, this new idea and push it out to the whole team. And when the whole team gets it, the whole team says, I disagree with that. I, I think it's a bad idea. I don't like the product. I think it's too expensive. I don't think it'll serve the customers that I have. I have X number of customers and none of them have ever bought anything like that before. This is not going to sell. Well, if all you've got is the standard operating procedure or the new product or the new price list and you have no stories that justify or explain or walk people through the process, they're not going to be likely to move forward with it. See, it's the stories that build buy-in. It's the story that gives somebody the idea, I want to be a part of that. I see myself in the picture. You may not think about it, but the song lyrics of many, many songs that are the most popular songs, uh, they're a story. They have a beginning, they have a middle, they have an end, they have action, they have transition. Many of them have transformation. Something new is made aware to you. And all of that happens within the course of a three and a half minute song. If you can tell a story that fits in the length of a song, it's a story that's memorable. If you can decide which words or notions or ideas will resonate with the people who need to hear the story, to follow the path, to follow the belief, to reach the goal, figure out what words resonate with them, what ideas resonate with them, what kind of story would resonate with them. Well, that's a, that's a work. That, that takes a lot of work. 
It also takes a skill set, a skill set that you should be trained to, not just the power of observation to be able to look at the people that you're trying to move in that new direction and say, well, what are the things that they're interested in? Obviously, that's extremely important. It, just to pound on people your new idea and expect that they will just accept it and go along with it because you told them to, well, you'll get some compliance that way, but you won't get buy-in. And compliance and buy-in, they're, they're not the same. If you've been in leadership for any period of time, you know that. You can make people do something up to a certain degree. But if you want to test whether or not you operate as a leader in buy-in or in compliance, try leading volunteers. Volunteers are not inclined to comply. Their motivation is not there in the same way that it is for an employee or someone who doesn't have a choice. If you want to lead people with buy-in, you're going to have to have stories. You're going to have to build a relationship of trust with them. You're going to have to reach a point where they see that the ideas that you have the direction that you want to lead them in is beneficial to you and to them. It takes stories to do that. Some of those are going to be stories of the past, things that we've experienced before together, things that identify when they've trusted you to before and how that worked out. Some of those are going to be stories of the future where you're actually casting a vision of what life will be like when they follow along with your ideas when you lead them in a new direction, in a new product, a new service, a new path, a new procedure. When the story paints a picture for them that they can see themselves in and they can think, I really like the idea of that. That's really a place I want to be with my life. That's really something I want to accomplish as well. That's a journey that I would like to go on together. If I were to tell you a story about a vacation and say, we're going to take a vacation, we're going to go to Los Angeles, and we're going to spend the entire weekend on a golf cart cruising up and down the streets of Los Angeles where all the homeless people are, avoiding the drug needles, trying to avoid the human feces, trying to avoid the people who are going to be begging and panhandling for dollars over and over and over again. We're going to avoid the smells. We're going to avoid the bathrooms on the street. We're going to avoid the showers, but we're going to have a wonderful vacation. Now, there's so much conjured up in your mind right now that, that you're probably thinking that is not a vacation. That might be a missions trip. That might be a civic responsibility for us to go help them. But that is not a vacation by any stretch of the imagination. Well, the story that paints the picture allows you to see what life could be like. Now, I could also say we're going to go to L.A. and we're going to rent a golf cart and we're going to hit all the beaches. We're going to go right past Venice Beach. We're going to hit all your know, muscle beach and all of them. We're going to just we're going to spend the whole time cruising the beaches outside of L.A. We're going to see everything that we can along the beaches. And then we'll trade in the, the golf cart and we'll get a convertible and we'll go up the Pacific Coast Highway and just just drive along the mountains and take pictures of the ocean from the mountainside views. Every scenic turnout we can find, we'll stop and take photos. Now, see, that's an entirely different picture in the story. And if I were to take the time to develop the story rather than just giving you a sentence or two, a description on the fly, that would be an entirely different thing. In Honduras, I was flying in a helicopter strapped in the gunner's seat. Now, the gunner's seat is mounted right against the sliding door. And when it's rotated, it literally hangs out the edge of the door almost far enough when you're leaned forward that the periphery of the helicopter is not even in your view. Meaning at some point when that helicopter is tilted and facing over the mountainside, you feel like you're flying on your own as if you've been skydiving. 
when we flew around the mountains on our way to Tegucigalpa and then to Lake Yehoa, as we flew around the mountains in that UH-60 Blackhawk and I was in that gunner seat, I could lean forward and it felt like I was flying on my own. I could see the mountainside. I could see the waterfalls. It had to be 200, 300 feet tall. And I've never been skydiving. But in that moment, the rush of adrenaline came over me, made me feel like I just wanted to unbuckle my harness and free fall out of that helicopter into that waterfall and right into the pool of water below. It was so gorgeous and so peaceful. And even from where we were, it felt like that would be a gorgeous place just to land and spend the rest of my life. Well, we had a great time on Lake Yohoa. We had a great time bass fishing. We had a great time eating steaks in the, in the open pub over the edge of the lake. Even the little cabins were a cute place to stay. And the whole weekend, you ready for this? The whole weekend cost me $18. $18. Amazing. Now, see, that, that's a true story from my own life. That, that's a real experience that I lived through. It somewhat paints a picture for you. But if I were to take the time to craft that story in such a way that you could feel yourself in a moment of exhilaration, ready to take a risk, ready to do something you've never done before that might even be dangerous, it might even be life-threatening, but because of the contrast of opportunity to risk, you're just right on the edge of taking that risk. See, that's a story that sounds like a vacation story, but there's so much more in it. In sales, in attitude, in management, in leadership, in gaining buy-in, in changing people's worldview, in personal development, story power leads. And if you can master story power, if you can select just the right story to tell, if you can craft it in a way that when you tell that story, you build buy-in from those that you want to resonate with, and you build a gap from those that you're not ready to resonate with, when you can mind through the stories of your own life and find the ones that serve you best that way, you can create something very, very powerful. Now you need to work on rehearsing that story until you work out all the bugs in it. You think through, well, would that really resonate with the people I want to talk to? Would that really hit their emotional core? Would that really offer them the, the picture of the future that I want or cause them to remember either with endearing or with disdain the, the picture of the past? Will that story work? Can you rehearse it until it just becomes second nature? Not because it's fabricated or made up, not because you're an actor, but because you've practiced through and thought through the psychology of the words that you're going to use and how they're going to resonate with the heart and mind of the people you're going to tell those stories to. Will that story connect? Will it emotionally reach the center of the people that you want it to connect with? Will it persuade them to make the decision that you're offering them to make, that you're encouraging them to make, that you're leading them to make? <coughs> and ultimately, <coughs> can you string that story together with a set of other stories? If you can string together that story with a set of other stories that kind of lead in the same direction, that paint the same picture, that share the same general idea, now you can do what I call leading the narrative. And all of a sudden you've gone from telling one story that kind of brings an isolated idea together to stringing together a bunch of stories that lead people down a path emotionally, mentally, psychologically, logically to say, I like where you're going with this and I want to be a part of it. Or I don't like where you're going with that. That's not for me. And whichever one of those that you intend to accomplish, well, you should decide that up front. You should decide what narrative you want to lead 
before you even start mining the stories that you're going to tell. It makes all the difference in the world how you assemble those stories, which stories you choose to tell based on the audience you want to connect with. Who do you serve? How do you serve them? You got to know that. Well, if all of this sounds intriguing to you and it sounds like something that you as a leader would love to be empowered to do, I want to challenge you to visit storypowermasterclass.com. It is a class that I teach. It's a very intense six-hour class, but we will walk through exactly the methodology that I just talked about. Storycraft, stagecraft, connection, and leading the narrative. We'll walk through those four steps over a six-hour day. And when you walk out of there, you'll have the toolkit necessary to craft incredible stories mined from the stories of your own life. But you'll also be equipped to be able to recognize story opportunities for the rest of your life. When these moments happen and you look at them and go, wow, that's a great story. That's a great teaching reminder. I could use that in the future. You'll be equipped to do that. You'll know exactly how to walk through that process. I'd love for you to join us. Go to storypowermasterclass.com and you can scroll down the page. You'll see a lot of examples of what we do and why we do it. See some testimonials from clients. You'll also see some story illustrations where people have told their story and then I retell their story with this new framework so that they can hear what that recrafted story could sound like. You'll also find a place to register. We'll be offering this course every month in 2023. The first one is January 14th. I'd love for you to be a part of it. Go to storypowermasterclass.com and just check out the page. Send me some questions if you have them. You can download the app right there on the page as well. Love to have you. I appreciate you just taking the time to learn to be better leaders. This is a huge investment in yourself. This is a huge investment in your ability to persuade and to lead others. And in the face of the oncoming AI, where others have the ability to lead the narrative for you, this is a skill set that every leader needs to master. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast for Tell It Like It Is TV. Have a blessed day. Subscribe now for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, Hi, and freedom. My name is Christina Knowles, and I just got done taking Jay Lauren's Story Power Masterclass. It was amazing. I took away so much information. Um, one of the things that I really enjoyed being formally trained in media many, many years ago is the call to action. I will use that with every speaking engagement, and I'm so grateful that Lauren just um, spoke truth into his teachings, and he is a true professional. And I know this might sound weird, but I've been taking certifications in different classes over the years, and Lauren is not boring. I can't even believe I got here at 9, and then the class went by so fast that I was like, it's time to go already? And I was shocked that it was time to go already. So it's an awesome class. You're going to enjoy it, I promise. Lauren is a master teacher on storytelling, and I learned so much. Um, I'm really going to have to sit down and go back through everything, and I think I might have to have some more coffees with Lauren, but uh, it was totally worth my time.